and you are still serving, saving, and touching. Your mercy and your grace is unending, God. We can't thank you enough for the God that you are and for what you do for us. But we praise you anyway, and we hope, Lord, that our, our little, little bit of praise and our little bit of worship will be pleasing to you. Help those who are going through right now, God, the families that are suffering, those who are dealing with loss. We raise up all the families this morning, God, that lost their family members in a tragic helicopter crash. We lift up the families this morning that are dealing with those who were died in the street from the gunshot wound. We lift up those this morning that are dead behind prison walls this morning, God. We lift those families up that just had someone transition, and now they have to go on through life without them. Surround them all, God, with your angels and give them peace. Restore family bonds. Restore uh, attitudes and, and re remove attitudes and restore right relationships between those who are loved ones. We need your presence even more than we ever thought in this world, God. So come and do a new thing for us. Open our hearts, minds, and our eyes that we can see that what you are doing is a new thing. Working on our behalf. And God, as we go forth this morning, let us remember in this first Sunday of February 2020 that we have to leave certain things behind. And we can't continue to move forward and grow carrying that same old baggage we've been lugging around for years. Help us, God, to leave it behind, trust in you, and expecting the new thing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I told them as they were walking off the stage uh, that they need to record an album, ne uh, Nene and Nemo. <laughs> I swear, if I had my little uh, stick here, I would have recorded that, put that on YouTube because they killed that song. Nene and Nemo come into stores near you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning. This is February 2nd, right? Yeah. First Sunday in February, February 2nd, uh, 2020. We made it through January. I know sometimes it felt like, for me at least, it felt like this was the longest January I've ever experienced. It seemed like this thing lasted 100 days and we just got out of it. But I'm so thankful that God held me and kept me. And here we are on Super Bowl Sunday. You see I'm repping my squad. <laughs> Even though they ain't seen a, a Super Bowl in probably two decades or more. Uh, but I still love that silver and black commitment to excellence. Just win, baby. Even though they don't know what it means to win anymore. <laughs> uh, I saw Brother Jackson and I had my vest on. I had to pull it back to show him. And he pulls his shirt back, which, of course, they're in the Super Bowl today, so I guess I have to concede <laughs> for now. Uh, but I, I wish luck to the San Francisco 49ers and the uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Kansas City Chiefs and pray that uh, no one suffer any uh, major injury out there on that field of battle this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. So everybody be good. Don't drink too much. Don't do anything that's going to get you in trouble or have you missing work tomorrow. Uh, so, if you hadn't heard, we, we're moving again. Uh, Sunday, March 1st. We got the new location. Yes, indeed. Uh, the landlord had a competing uh, bid 
and they accepted us anyway. Uh, uh, Pastor Bishop Hilton uh, took us to go see the new facility a few weeks ago and before it was written, uh, confirmed, and I know I got all excited and looking at the new space and think, boy, this is going to be something and just hoping that it would happen. And then he called me and said they had uh, a competing bid, but we'd find out and then all out of the blue, he calls, uh, it was last Sunday, uh, just to say, hey, let your congregation know we got the place. It's been signed, it's been executed, cashier's check has been delivered and cashed, and now we're moving. So Sunday, March 1st, next month, next first Sunday will be our, uh, our first service at our new location at 17800 Main Street, Suite 101 in Gardena. Uh, and if you had, weren't here with us, it's literally a mile, maybe a mile and a half or a mile and a quarter from here, right, uh, uh, right uh, with Victoria just uh, south of Victoria, not even a block, and uh, on Main Street. And uh, we don't, won't have to feel like squatters anymore. He believe the, uh, the, 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 the person we're renting from now wanted to go up on rent, and we're already paying an exorbitant amount of rent, and we still need having a key to get in the building. I mean, you pay rent for something, you expect to have a key to get in and out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, so we're, we're thankful Sunday, March 1st, 2020, uh, the last Sunday in February will be our last Sunday here. We'll have our February communion as we close out this period of time, this transition period that we've been here at City of God. And first Sunday in March, we'll uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper again, starting off the new chapter of Road to Damascus at our new journey. So... Uh, God said yes, would you say God said yes, amen, amen. So we're going to the Old Testament book of Isaiah today, Isaiah 43, uh, verses 18 and 19. It's a verse that I love uh, because Isaiah is preaching to the people and then God is telling us specifically in his words, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is the word of God for us and our edification and our growth this morning on February 2nd, 2020. God saying, do not remember the former things. So this morning we want to use for a topic Time to lose the emotional baggage. Time to lose the emotional baggage. We have so much stuff we're carrying around. If you notice on the, the, the bag, he's got all the things on there, but it's also that tag lost. That's somebody that got rid of it. The bag is now looking for where he can go to put some more of this stuff on folks. Some of this uh, their, their trauma, their stress, their anger, their low self-esteem, the resentment, the guilt, the unforgiveness, the judgment. He's looking for it because somebody made the decision, I'm not carrying this stuff around with me anymore. So our prayer is that as we finish this turned into a series, as we finish this, that people will make the decision today to lose their emotional baggage. Amen. We, we started this off 
talking about losing emotional baggage, identifying the reasons that we need to unload our baggage. I see, I could tell you all the reasons in the world of why it's good to do so. Well, as a matter of fact, if you look at this political climate, you can point out all the logical reasons to people why what is going on is criminal. And if they choose to have their eyes closed or their hearts closed or their minds and their eyes closed, it makes perfect sense to them that you could actually have a court trial and not call witnesses and say everything's on the up and up. I swear to God, I said, if I ever get convicted of a crime or arrested for a crime, I'm going to petition like nobody's business that you have my trial with no witnesses and just my testimony. If it's good enough for Donald J. Trump, it is good enough for Ronald Thomas. I mean, you think about the precedent that we just witnessed, that men who are sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States, members of a political party that says they are aligned with God, actually went counterproductive or actually destroyed this document we hold so dear as a nation. But they're carrying us around. The eyes are closed. And so we, we, we can talk about all the reasons what, what they did was wrong, but if you don't see it, it doesn't make a, a bit of difference. But the reason to unload baggage, we went to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and we identified three things. One, people are watching how you handle life because that where a scripture said you have a cloud of witnesses. Not just a little bit of people, a cloud of witnesses. Everybody watching how you handle life. You call yourself a Christian, but you're getting tripped up over a mess. You call yourself a Christian and you're cursing everybody out you see. You call yourself a Christian and you can't ever say anything good, lift up anybody, help anybody, and witnesses are watching. Uh, and our inability to trust and love God allows sin to come in. And the second thing that sin traps, uh, what did I say? It's a weight that traps you. And he says specifically in Hebrews, that it's uh, this too great a burden that it lays aside and will ensnare us. And then he finished that emotional baggage impedes our endurance. And so with the thing we had to run, this race, we have to go through life with endurance. <clears throat> and the thing was about ensnare, he said it's skillfully surrounding, fording a racer in every direction. The reason why we can't move forward is because we have let sin ensnare us that is skillfully plan surround us to keep us from moving forward. So all this stuff, this baggage we're carrying around has allowed Satan to come in and ensnare us. So then we went last week to talk about hurt people, hurting people. And we saw this in the story of Joseph. Remember, we saw this, Joseph, and we identified and we talked about it and we saw that this dysfunction in his family was historical. It went all the way back to his grandfather. His grandfather was Isaac. Isaac had uh, played favoritism, and he showed favoritism to Esau. The word said, and Isaac loved Esau because Esau uh, was a hunter and provided meat and food for his dad, and, and Jacob was the guy who hung around the tent playing his, his flute or harp or, you know, kind of soft, not a man's man. 
uh, well, I'm just pick, kind of paraphrasing. It's not like I'm making this statement. But he had a historical family of dysfunction. And what we saw in Joseph, he didn't use that as an excuse. See, that's, Joseph gave us the example that just because your granddad did it and your father did it, you can't do the same thing. My dad's an alcoholic. You can't be an alcoholic. Because of your dad, you are choosing to be an alcoholic. You can't sit around and say, I abuse women because my daddy abused women and my granddaddy abused women. Just the same, a woman should not allow herself to be abused because she saw her mother being abused. I act this way because this is how my family is. If my family's crazy, that is not an excuse for me to be crazy too. And that's what we saw in Joseph. His family was dysfunction. They said jo uh, Jacob loved Joseph. So much so that his brothers hated him and plotted to kill him. Second thing we saw, Joseph didn't do anything wrong. But you didn't hear him saying, woe is me. Why is this happening to me, God? There was no victim mentality. Part of the baggage we carry around is this idea that I didn't need to do anything wrong. I didn't ask my parents to be here. Why don't they love me? Why did they do this to me? Why did they abandon me? Why did they abuse me? We don't know. We are in a world that is sick and dying, that is full of sin, and stuff happens that is not of God, but because it happened yesterday does not impact where you are today unless you choose to keep making it an issue. But Joseph went from being uh, almost murdered, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, sold into slavery again, accused of rape, thrown into prison, forgotten in prison, the one person who could say, it's not my fault, I had no control over it, showed us that you can't have a victim mentality when you are serving God. And the last thing we saw is that he continued to trust God. But we find that as life happens and as baggage gets heavier, we start to use that or let it become a wedge in our relationship with God. The wedge will turn into a crevice. The crevice will turn into a ravine. And the ravine will turn into an, uh, a, a, a canyon of a divide between us and God. Not because God is on the other side. It's because we went to the other side and left him. But Joseph didn't allow uh, his circumstance. He didn't carry this baggage and allow it to be a wedge between his relationship with God. Because we see that in everything that Joseph did and in every situation he was in, he was still had a relationship with God. So you have to ask yourself this question. If you are committed to letting go of baggage, if you are truly committed to letting go of the things that you've been carrying around forever, how many years it has been, you have to ask yourself the question, why am I holding on to this. That's the very first thing. Because I guarantee you, if you do not ask, why am I holding on to this? You are not doing the required self-examination of yourself to really realize what it is that is going on and why am I holding on to this? I've told you before, there was a period in my life that I felt God had left me high and dry. Yeah. 
and I was mad at everything and everybody. Christmas was approaching, and my dad recognized the pain I was feeling. And he said, Ronald, turn it over to God. And I got so mad. I don't think I've been as mad at my dad in my life as I was at that moment. He didn't yell at me. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't threaten me. He just asked a simple question. Ronald? Why don't you turn it over to God? Why do you mean why don't I turn it over to God? You think I'm carrying around this pain because I want to? God can take this pain away from me. Why is he watching me suffer and see what's going on? You wouldn't let me suffer. Years later, when I asked myself the question, why am I holding on to this anger? And I realized... I chose to hold on to it. All the emotional baggage that we carry around, whether it is hurt, anger, resentment, hostility, judgment, is because we choose to hold on to it. And somebody asked me when I was talking about this in Bible study, he said, oh, well, if you, may, you realize that, what did you do? I said, I let it go. Well, how do you do that? It's not that easy. I said, it is. Let it go. What are you holding on to? Because while letting it go is easy, it's the hardest thing you ever do. Because I realized, for me, holding on to that hurt allowed me to stay angry. That anger allowed me to never see the the, the situation as my fault. It allowed me to hold us, in my mind, a higher moral ground over other people. The the hurt and that anger allowed me to have justification to not forgive. You see, if I'm mad at you, I can't forgive you. But if I let this go, Somehow, now I gotta find the courage to say, I forgive you. But I can't let you get away with this. I can't let you skate by because you hurt me deeply. But it ain't my place to hold somebody prisoner when, in fact, the only person who was in prison was me. Life had moved on. Everything's going on or outside of me, but I'm walking around, lugging around this uh, steamer trunk full of anger, bitterness, and resentment. And I'm the one that's suffering. But you let it go. Psychologists said, here are five ways to let go, uh, to move on from your past. First thing they said, make the decision to let it go. Just like I don't know the character's name from the, uh, the Frozen let it go. Let it go. By the way, remember I told you guys I'm going to start singing whatever I want to. Let me tell you this. I thought I was justified before, but when I saw Alicia Keys at the Grammys, I am 100% certain I ain't never not going to sing when I get the words. This girl sang so flat and off key, I couldn't believe it. And she getting paid. I don't mean to talk about it, but I'm just saying, I could at least hold a note. So I'm going to sing. I'm sorry ahead of time. 
<laughs> but just let, it, let you know. She said, what's the character's name? Anybody saw this movie? Elsa. Elsa, that's it. She said, let it go. You have to make the decision first and foremost to let it go. This is according to psychology. Number two, express your pain and responsibility. See, if you're holding on to the pain, you can never see yourself as a part of the, uh, the problem. It's always other people's fault while you're carrying around the baggage. Remember last week, remember that lens of hurt? Everything that has clouded your vision, you see it through your eyes and not anything else. Number three, stop being the victim and blaming others. <laughs> Number four, focus on the present, the here and now, and joy. Ooh, I can't see what God is doing in my life because I'm still all dealing with what was in the past. Isn't that what he said in Isaiah? Forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing, but you're sitting there worried about what happened yesterday, 10 years ago. Number four, forget, uh, focus on the now, the here and now, and joy. Fifth thing, forgive them and yourself. Sometimes we'll make a step towards forgiving other people, but we won't forgive us. Forgive them and yourself. That was from, uh, I forgot I should have put his name, but it, he runs a, a thing, Psych Central. So that was from psychology, psych, uh, psych, psychiatry. Spiritually, we see uh, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be sober, be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Because last week we identified that hurt people are susceptible to demonic influence and deception. The case in point was Joseph's brothers. They were dealing with their hurt and their baggage, and because they were hurt, they were susceptible to demonic influence to plot to murder their brother. That's not normal behavior. That is demonic influence that will allow people to hate you so much for nothing you've done to, to plan your demise. Hurt people hurt people. Uh, uh, they are susceptible to demonic influence and deception. And Satan hides behind the lens of hurt all this pain you're looking at and shows you all the potential hurt from people that you face because based on your past. He is utilizing your own baggage against you and adding more onto it. Because he has not recognized when you have looking through your lens of hurt, you are susceptible to his influence. And when he has got, got your influence, then he can continue to drive that wedge between you and God and put more of this burden on your back. And you find yourself carrying more and more baggage around because you have refused to let it go. So how does he do this? He tells you lies. And these lies fill up your baggage. First, he tells you, uh, makes you think, I can't let it go. Truth is, you won't let it go. That's right. I will never forgive this person. I don't deserve to be loved. Ooh, how many young women we see choosing these really bad and toxic relationships because the mentality says, I don't deserve to be loved. You see them man after man wonder, why do they keep going after these dogs? Why are they choosing this idiot? He ain't doing nothing. He don't even respect her. I, the enemy tells you, I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve to be respected. I don't deserve to be cherished. So you will sit up with some unemployed, 
drug-taking, alcoholic men who will abuse you, sleeping with women in your house that you're paying the rent for because this enemy has told you you don't deserve to be loved. I can't let go of the pain. Those are the words I remember feeling when my dad said, just turn it over to God. I can't let go of the pain. I'm trying, but I can't let go. When the fact was, I wasn't really trying. I liked being angry. See, that's the thing most people don't want to deal with and accept. We actually like being miserable sometimes. It's a badge of honor that we wear when we can walk around talking about how people did us wrong and I'm still here. I'm still a man. They tried to take me out. I'm still here. But you haven't moved on. And I did like being angry. I really did. I have to admit it. That was what I had to face when I looked in the mirror that I liked being angry. I liked being resentful because that mean that I could make me uh, mean. And I didn't have to treat anybody nice. I can't move on with my life. Or in some cases, I'm so bad I deserve to be hurt. There's nothing worse than to see somebody who just will sit in a situation because they believe they deserve to be hurt. And we all know their father abused them, their mother abused them, and they move on to relationships and they choose abusive people because they deserve to be hurt. That is a lie of the enemy. Put in your head through that lens of hurt because we have carried around all this junk with us and he's just piling it on more. And the more we continue to live like this, never letting go, never forgiving, not choosing to be loved, not letting go of the pain, it just adds another bag and another bag. And we thought life was hard before. It becomes incredibly hard, harder. And then you see people turning to things to cope with the pain. Illicit relationships, alcohol and drug abuse, addictions, just to deal with the pain and the hurt. When the psychologists say, first of all, just let it go. This quote was from two weeks ago. The truth is, unless you let go, unless you forgive yourself, unless you forgive the situation, unless you realize that the situation is over, you cannot move forward. You think that you are moving forward. The only thing that has changed is the date. It went from 1976 to 2020, and you are stuck in the same place. You have gotten older. You have had jobs. You have had relationships. Some of us have had kids, and we're still in the same place where we were. We thought that was when we were moving forward. You didn't move nowhere. All we have done is let time pass by, and then we have passed on our dysfunction to our children. We have confused action for progress. Life has been happening, but we didn't progress. We have confused all what life has happened, all the situations progressed, but we haven't let go, we haven't forgiven ourselves, we haven't moved past the situation, 
we are still living in that hurt 20 years later. You have not moved forward. But God's truth is stronger than the enemy's lies, right? Isn't that what we believe? John 10, 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Too many people have used this to talk about money abundance, but God is not talking about money. He's talking about an abundant life of love, of the, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, love, peace, joy. This is the abundance that God has for you. And we're living like an eagle chained to the ground. In Isaiah, he said, those that wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings of eagles. Because eagles fly high and they fly fast. But because we're carrying around baggage, we are chained to the ground. God has done things and is doing things and preparing things for you that you are supposed to fly like an eagle. You're supposed to mount up with wings like an eagle and fly. But you are chained, holding on to the crap in your life, refusing to let go, refusing to move forward. Yeah. How are you supposed to experience all that God has for you when you are choosing to hold on to crap? It doesn't happen. We are stuck. Chained. And the worst part about it is that we're choosing. Choosing to be chained. There is nothing worse. They, 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 they actually, somebody did a, a, an illustration uh, one time where they took an elephant, a circus person, took an elephant, a baby elephant, and chained it down, stuck the stake in the ground so the elephant couldn't move. Every day that the elephant came out of its pen, when it came out, they would tap the thing into the ground so that when the elephant was full grown, you didn't even have to put the stake in the ground. Because even if you did, with all the power that he has, he could have pulled it up and run away. But he chose to stay there even without the stake because over the years he's just continually watching his hammer put the stake in the ground and he can't move. He was chained, not understanding all the power just like we are. We are chained, not holding on and grasping the power that God has for us, but choosing to stay where we are. Now I told you last week we were going to look at God's way to let go of the baggage. We are, but I want you to understand, this is my uh, disclaimer. The process of letting go of baggage is not easy. There is no easy fix. There's work that has to be done. It is very difficult and it's impossible to do on your own. You are never going to be able to do it on your own. But not doing it has eternal consequences. Did you ever think about you not moving forward has eternal consequences for your salvation? Paul wrote to the Roman church, chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath. Because you have refused to heed the word of God, because you have refused to forgive people, forgive yourself, because you have chosen to continue to wallow in your misery, 
you are storing up treasure for uh, storing uh, your treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds you are storing up wrath by choosing to be miserable we're sitting here because there's a wedge between us and God, blaming God. And God has left us alone when the fact of the matter is you are choosing to allow this wedge to grow wider and wider. And he says, I'm telling you, because you have refused your hard head, stiff-necked self, you are storing treasuring up for yourself wrath. And baby, it's coming back to bite you in the end. We don't ever think about that. He, he said in, in Matthew 13, 15, for the hearts of the people, no, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. He is literally saying, I will break that chain that has you stuck. You should be flying, and I will break those chains, but you, your hearts are grown dull. Yeah. Your ears can't hear, your eyes are closed, because if you, were heart, your, if you could hear and you could see, you would understand what I'm doing, and you would come to me and let me help you. Yeah. Yeah. That was the scripture we read last week when he said, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You just come to me. Learn from me because I am humble and I will show you my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Give all this stuff you can around. Give it to me and let me take it and I will give you rest. I will heal you so you can fly like these eagles like you were created to be. So what you going to do, folks? What you really going to do Are you going to have the courage to let go of this mess? The courage to let go of all the stuff you've been carrying around? To change your entire perspective, to not be known as the victim, to be known as the conqueror. First thing you have to do. First step. We see it in psychology. We see it in God's word. Let it go. Let it go. He said, Isaiah 43, 18, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Let it go. I'm trying to do something new for you, but I can't do the new thing if you're still wallowing in the path. I don't care what your mama said to you. I don't care what your daddy said to you. Let it go. Do not remember the former things. Mamas were stupid. Mama was hurt. Daddy's hurt. Daddy's dysfunctional. I'm your savior. Do not remember the former things. You have to make a decision right here, right now, that I am letting go of all this mess. I am not going to remember it because it was yesterday. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He's saying, I don't... I haven't attained everything that I'm supposed to, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. 
The one thing that I do, even though I haven't received everything God has for me, the one thing that I do is forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. How are you trying to get what's ahead, but you're always back here? I'm always back here, living back here, when everything that's good is up there. He said, I press forward, press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We have to let go of the past and move forward. Uh, so many of us, we, we, we have to remember the past because we do it. Say, those who forget the past are doomed to, uh, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And so we have taken that to uh, take it in our lives and understanding our past will guide our future. Uh, well, this dude said the past is not a compass for your future. Give yourself permission to chart a new course. My past is my past, but with tomorrow is something great. God had already said in Isaiah, behold, I'm doing a new thing for you. Whatever happened in the past is the past, but I've got a new future, a new path, a new life is waiting for you if you let go of all this stuff. How many times have we seen people talk about, I'm just waiting on God to send me a husband? <laughs> I guarantee you, the part of the problem why you can't find a good husband is because you're still holding on to something in the past. You are not suited for a new husband that God has for you because you're still talking about that dude who you love, who did you wrong, who was, wasn't worth nothing, didn't take care of the kids. And you hear somebody, oh, oh, now they got the, the thing ever since with the Kobe girl, the hashtag girl there. friend of mine posted, he said, I, I, I didn't see five people posting pictures with their daughters that they ain't paid no child support on and ain't done nothing. Talk about I'm a girl dad. starts with having the courage to do, uh, to move forward. Uh, second thing, you must forgive. It is impossible. You are never, no matter, even, even if you say you're going to let something go, unless you've got to forgiveness, you're still carrying it. You will never go forward. Matthew 8, 18, 21 to 22. That uh, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Uh, Peter's being like all of us. Huh? Why do I got to forgive? Why, why is this dude, why do I got to keep forgiving him? Why I got to do it? Why can't he just stop? Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Forgiveness. Nobody likes to to forgive because you know what we say about forgiveness? It's weak. Forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of weakness. It's simply saying, I want to move forward in my life and welcome joy back into it. I can't fully do that until I let this go. I can't move forward and expect joy. I can't move forward and expect peace. I can't move forward and expect a good husband or a good wife, 
until I let go of that stuff. And you ain't going to be able to let go unless you forgive. Love, letting go and forgive. Remember, they said this is not easy. It takes work. It takes courage. But this is what you have to do. Last thing. Remove the lens of hurt. I can't be a victim no more. I can't blame my dad for showing favoritism to my brother. I can't blame my mom for not being there for me. I can't blame somebody for not protecting me. That all this stuff that happened to me, I have to forgive them for that. Yeah, you got to remove the lens of hurt. Isaiah 43, 19, Jesus, our God said, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not, uh, not know it? Some translations say see it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He is literally talking about the miracles he has for us in store if we see. But we can't see. You ever see, like when we talked about Joseph and his brothers, they were so angry and hateful towards Joseph. But the word never says, and you've got to understand and believe that Joseph, uh, uh, Jacob probably did things for his other sons too. But they were so hurt and angry, they can't even see what their dad has been doing because they're looking at everything Joseph is getting. I, I remember even hearing about people in my family that one son got a car. So even though the other one graduated from college and was working and had a job, he was so focused on his brother getting a car that the parents went and bought him a car just to shut him up. <laughs> Not on the fact that he got a college education that he didn't have to pay for, not the fact that they had loved him his entire life, but because one brother got more than him, he had to get the same thing. We are just like that, and we can't even see all the good things that we have and what God is doing in our lives because we only see what other people have been doing or receiving, and I'm hurt by it. How are you doing that for them and not me? I... For years, I used to sit around here, and one of the things I used to complain about my parents is, why did everything that I had to wait for, Jeffrey got to do when I got it? <laughs> He's three years younger than me. I had to wait till I was 11 years old to stay till nine, up till nine o'clock. Jeffrey got to stay up till nine o'clock the day I got to stay up till nine o'clock. <laughs> he didn't have to wait three more years. <laughs> And I reward Jeffrey get everything I got. <laughs> I'm so focused on everything Jeffrey's got him to wait a minute. I got a house. I got food to eat. My parents love and trust me. I mean, and we went to this dynamic with siblings is weird. As if we would sit around and talk about all the things the other sibling has that I don't have, not realizing you actually have more because they trust and love you. Somebody even said something to me one day, your parents really love you, Rob. Like, <laughs> I never doubted their love. Don't get me wrong. But it was just you when you're sitting here wallowing in this stuff that don't even matter. Who cares if this little boy stayed up till 9 o'clock? <laughs> Except me. <laughs> God would try to do a new thing for me. But I'm so hurt and angry about my little brother, I couldn't even see what God was doing good in my life then. 
<laughs> and we do the same thing on a larger scale. We are so focused on what other people have and what we don't, we can't even see what God is doing for us. How many times have you seen movies? You know, some of these movies they'll make and they show this woman talking about how she wished she had a good man. And here's the good man. There's always that thing. The good man is right in front of her. But she can't see it because she's looking at all this other stuff. Same thing they do with guys. They can't see the good woman in front of her and him because he's looking for all this other stuff. And then you go out and do what you want and realize, why did God let me do this? And God probably said, I didn't tell you to marry this fool. I got this one over here for you. You were the one that chose this. He's not me. <laughs> so I may have created him, but you chose him. Matthew. I did not see him. He said, I see him. Goodness gracious. Isaiah 43 18. I'm almost done. He said, They do not understand. For he has shut their eyes so they cannot see, and their hearts so they cannot understand. This is exactly what we're dealing with here. <laughs> that you, these people have put themselves in a position where your eyes have been shut, and your hearts have been shut down, and you can't see or understand what God is doing. Because you are simply choosing to carry around all this stuff. Why carry all of it around? Why continue carrying all this stuff with you when God has made it easier for you to just let it go? Amen. You have the option to be an eagle soaring high above the sky, yes. taking everything that God has for you instead of choosing to be stuck uh, where you are. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes are closed. Lest they shall see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. God is ready to heal you. He is ready to give you everything your hearts desire. But it all starts first with you leaving the emotional baggage behind. If you are prepared to let it go, to be courageous and move forward with what God has for you, you are going to be stuck. Jesus told us in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, I don't have that up there. Jesus said to him, this is what he told to a young man. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is Jesus' words to us. Yeah. Keep playing that scene. Yeah. No one who is, puts their hand on the plow. And Jesus always illustrated to what the people understood. And those of those, those members here and anybody watching on Facebook that's from the South knows what it means to have your hand on the plow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to keep both hands on the plow because that ox or that donkey is moving forward. That's right. And you keep your hands on that plow to make sure you are going in a straight line and keep going forward. Yes. And Jesus said, no one who put their hand on the plow but looking back is fit for the kingdom. Because if you are supposed to have your hand 
and looking where you're going and you're back, you're not going to have a good a field, which means you're going to have a bad crop. And if you have a bad crop, you won't reap. In order to move forward, in order to be worthy of the kingdom of heaven, you got to keep your hands on the plow. You got to keep looking forward, forgetting the former things. See, now you're going to make me sing today, Steve. You hear this song? Let God have his way. That's when things start happening. Woo! You have got to let go of those things that are holding you back. You have got to let go of all the stress, the anger, the low self-esteem, the resentment. Because when God is ready to move in your life, if you are stuck looking back, you are not going to receive it. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. Those words of that song are so simple, but they're so poignant. Let go and let God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you. We give your name glory and honor. We thank you, God, that you have given us the tools to drop the emotional baggage that we can move forward in the power, the authority you have given us. We can mount up with wings like eagles and no longer be chained to the ground, holding on to the things that have held us back. But God, you have been so good that you have told us to forget about the things of the past because you have a new thing that is in front of us. You are going to do miracles in our lives because you're going to make roads in the desert and springs in the wilderness. Things that people have not seen in their lives, you are ready to do for us if we forget the former things and move forward. So God, give us the power and the courage to look forward forgetting the former things, not considering the past, but to press forward to the prize that you have. We have to press. Help us, God, to press toward the goal that you have. Help us, God, to press forward to new relationships. Help us, God, to press forward to love. Help us to press to joy. Help us to press towards peace. And give us the strength to never leave us alone. For we love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.